What's up, guys? Happy Thursday night. High five your neighbor. High five them. High five, yeah. Some good ones. Hey. Hey, it's so great because uh, everybody's like, look at my elbow. If you look at the elbows, the high fives are real great. And if you do that, you like high five their forehead. It's not true. Doesn't work, okay? Um, but no, super great to be here with you guys. Um, Merry early Christmas. We have so many students here, and so we love to, early in December, just spend time with you guys. Welcome the holiday season. Welcome the Christmas season. Do a good job of, of welcoming Christ, you know? And um, man, I just, um, I just thought that tonight that we could spend some time, and I woke up this morning and throughout this week and have just felt this overwhelming gratitude to Jesus. And I thought that tonight what we could do is we could, um, we could have a praise service tonight to thank him for everything that he's done in our lives, for everything that he continues to do in our lives, for what he's doing in our, our group here, at our church, in our city. And um, I was at prayer on Tuesday night, and for those of you who go to prayer, you probably know it's awesome. It's uh, the first Tuesday of every month, and you can go there with your life group, and it's just a blast. And I was there, and then at the very end, uh, anybody who needs a prayer request can come to the front, and we have prayer team members and then staff members that will pray for you. Well, a woman walked up, a young, actually a young girl walked up, and um, she met with Pastor Scott one of our pastors on staff, and, and she just said, you know, uh, tonight I actually don't have a prayer request. Tonight I actually just, I just wanted to come forward, and I wanted to do it in person. I didn't want to just sit in a chair and do it by myself, but I wanted to thank God. She said, I've dealt with anxiety my whole life. I've had panic attacks my whole life, and I, God has healed me. And she goes, I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you. And so with Scott, she sat there and she, she thanked God. And, and what I want to do tonight is as the Christmas season is about a million different things, it's about us spending money on presents and it's about us using our credit cards and it's about us, you know, getting to Target before anybody else and get, then getting mad at the people at Target, or at least that's how I felt earlier this week. You know, um, it's about holiday traffic and it's about all these different things. It can be, you know, for you, your family, you know, has four sets of family, you know, because they're divorced and so you have the whole movie, Four Christmases. Like, Christmas can be a myriad of things for you, but when when we read the Bible and what we're going to read about tonight, there is a set of characters that are found in the Christmas story, and their story is all about a long journey to meet Jesus, just to worship him and to thank him for being king. And so what I thought we'd do tonight is we would come and we would journey to the Lord tonight together, and we would just say, thank you, God. Thank you for everything that you do. And so... Uh, I titled tonight, if you're taking notes, bring him silver and gold. Bring him silver and gold, just like the song. We will bring him silver and gold. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads and pray. <clears throat> well, God, this is your season. Um, this is where we get to celebrate your birth. And God, I just welcome you tonight. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. And God, I just thank you for... Um, what we cannot do in ourselves, what we cannot do in our own spirits, what you have done in, in this room, in this group of people, what you have done in this city, what you do to our hearts. And God, I pray that tonight that you would, above all things, that you would be honored, um, that you would be glorified, that you would, I just sense you smiling on us right now. 
And I pray that every single person that came in here, whether they came in here burdened or they came in here heavy-hearted or they came in here full-hearted and full of blessing, God, that no matter where we find ourselves on the spectrum tonight, that we would know that we can come to you and say thank you. And so I praise you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, around the holidays, you ever notice that maybe all of your emotions get a little more heightened? Like... Like everything that you feel around Christmas time or everything you feel around the holidays is just a little bit more than it normally is. So for example, your highs are really high and then your lows are a little bit extra low, you know? Like, like, uh, let me just bear with me. Like PSLs come out at Starbucks and you're like, and it's a drink. It's a sugar drink, right? And you're like, oh, Instagram myself with my cup. It's like, it's the holidays. And you're so excited, right? You're so excited to go to Christmas parties. And you're like pumped up. You get invited to all these parties. And then, and then the very next moment, you realize that you don't have anything to wear. And it's full-on panic attack. Like, like you have nothing to wear. There might be the honey that you want to be with there. And there's nothing. There's nothing in your closets, Right? You get excited about snow. It's the first snow of the year, and you're like, you open your drapes, and you're like, oh, my gosh, amen. (laughs) Snow. Facebook status. First snow of the year, guys, right? But then you get outside, and you scrape off your car for 45 minutes. (laughs) And anger sets into your heart like like no one has ever known, and then you get into traffic, into holiday traffic, and you're like, I'm pretty sure I I don't care about my vehicle at this moment. I'm just going to smash it into the car in front of me. (laughs) Care about nothing right now. (laughs) Baby, I'm I don't care, baby, I'm bored. You're driving slow. Like, (laughs) Like, there's so many emotions that we have around the holidays, right? You know, um, present buying, you're so excited to buy presents. You like, you know, you get these fantastical ideas. I'm going to buy my mom a new nice set. And then you get online, you're like, that's $800. And you're like, I have $50, you know, and then you cry. You know, we get so um, elated with, you know, Christmas music comes on Cozy 101. And people like Charlotte, like... She can't handle, like, it's like this childlike moment, like, realizing Santa is there. Like, that's how excited she gets. And, and, and then, but then you also have the moment where the Hallmark commercial comes on where you, like, didn't invite Grandpa to Christmas. I don't know if y'all saw that one. But you ball for, you know, half an hour. Like, like, these are our Christmases. And for me and John, like, this has been <clears throat> pretty much most of our Christmases until I would say pretty recently. We would, um, we would get so pumped up about Christmas and our expectations would be so high. And, and we both love Christmas and we love traditions and stuff like that. And one year, we were like so stoked. I think it was our second year of marriage and we were like, this year, let's get an extra big tree because we've got higher ceilings in our little townhome. So we're like, let's get a real big tree because we got ceilings so we could do it, right? So we go and we drive and we're like, sweet. And we show up at this little tree lot, you know, and we're talking to the people and we're like in the holiday spirit. Um, and we get the tree. We can barely get it in the car, but it makes it. We get it home, and we're like, oh, isn't this the best? And I'm like, babe, I'm going to make fondue, like as tradition is, you know. <laughs> and we're doing the whole thing. We're feeling the spirit. I turn on, you know, Home Alone. Is there any other holiday movie? <laughs> and, and, and then I kid you not, 
We get the tree like in the house by like shoving and then we get it and it takes up our entire living room. (laughs) And John's just sitting here like, you made us get the big tree, Jess. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, you know, and then we start fighting and then I'm like, well, you're the one that said, and you're the one that's like, I'm a big guy, I can get a big tree, you know? And it's like going down pretty soon. He's, in, he's taking the, you know, shoving the tree back into the garage to hack off another four feet of it. And I'm like crying right over the fondue. <laughs> like these, this is our Christmas season. Like Christmas has a way of amplifying everything that we feel. It has a way of amplifying our, our sweetness. And it has a way of amplifying our sour in our lives and it's almost as if we can experience in a month's time the best of times and the worst of times and 2,000 years ago every single character that we meet in the Christmas story every single character was in the same exact spot they were just humans and they were filled in their lives in that moment with blessing and then also with Lots and lots and lots of issues and discouragement and troubles. And tonight, I wanted us to meet a cast of characters, and every single one of them had blessing in their life when they met Jesus. And then they also had hardship when they met Jesus. And we're going to meet three sets of people. We're going to meet the Magi. We're going to meet the Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And then we're going to meet um, the shepherds. And so we're going to be hanging out in Matthew and Luke. If you are new to Christianity, those are the only two Gospels that thought they should record. But Jesus' birth, the other two were like, I don't know. (laughs) Not that big of a deal. So Matthew and, and Luke, okay? So if you have your Bibles, that's where we're going to be hanging out tonight. And we're going to read first and foremost about the Magi in Matthew chapter 2. It says, after, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. All right, so the book of Matthew Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels. They tell the stories about Jesus' life, okay? And uh, the book of Matthew has a very intentional purpose. All four of the Gospels actually do. The book of John was written to the churches, okay? It was written to the churches that existed during that time. It was written by the Apostle John, who was the only apostle that lived until his old age. He probably wrote it when he was in Patmos, okay? And he wrote it to the churches that were in existence, Uh, The book of Mark was written to highlight Jesus' abilities and his servanthood. And so instead of highlighting Jesus' talking or his sermons and things like that, it would highlight um, his miracles, the way that he served people, the way that he was with people. Levi wrote the, um, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, yeah. Uh, Levi wrote the book of um, Luke, geez, Jess, sorry. And he wrote it, um, he was a doctor, and he wrote it for skeptics. And the book of Matthew is this amazing book that was written to the Jews uh, to convince the Jews who the king of the Jews was. And so the whole goal, that's why the book of Matthew starts out with all, like, all those genealogies that you just skip over, right? It was like so-and-so was born to so-and-so, and so-and-so was born to so-and-so, because Jews cared about that. And the whole point that Matthew wanted to, um, wanted to, or the thesis of what he was trying to communicate is simply this, who is the king? 
Who is it? And so it's so interesting because it opens up, and, it, um, and the Magi ask Herod. They say, where is the person who is born the king of the Jews? And so I want to ask you tonight just a very simple question. But right now in your life, what is enthroned on your life? In your life right now, what are you worshiping? What are the things that you hold most dear or that you are spending the most time worrying about or that you are spending the most energy giving? What's enthroned on your life? What's king? Because that's what Matthew would ask you right now. What's king in your life? The magi or the wise men, okay, what most of you, what we know about the, you know, the wise men is like they're figurines in your Christmas, you know, story. I saw a figurine the other day and it was like a kid's one and they were ducks. The wise men were ducks. But the Magi were not Jews. They were not from Jerusalem. Most historians, most uh, scholars believe that they were from Persia and that they were actually descendants of a group of seers that were oversaw by Daniel. If you read uh, in the Old Testament, there was a a man named Daniel, and his uh, group of people were overthrown by the Babylonians, and so there was was him along with a bunch of his friends, okay, and they, um, they were captured by Babylon and kind of integrated into the system. Well, Daniel rose to be a leader within this Babylonian culture, and he oversaw, because of his interpretation of dreams, he oversaw a group of seers who would interpret dreams, a group of wise men. And what's so interesting about this is that Daniel taught them about Jewish prophecy. He taught them about the book of Numbers, Numbers 23 and Numbers 24, where it says that a star will rest over the head of the king of the Jews. And he talks about, uh, um, he talks about Micah 2, where it says that the king of the Jews will be born in Bethlehem. So the wise men are thought to be descendants of these, uh, of these seers, generations and generations and generations later, who come from Persia at the first sight of this star. And what's so amazing about this is that these men have probably been waiting for years. Their grandfather and their great-grandfather and their great-great-grandfather has talked about these amazing prophecies that they have never seen fulfilled And then one day, they see some random star, because they were seers, because they were wise men, they would have known all of the constellations, and they see a new star in the sky, and immediately they know, there's been a king, he's been born to the Jews, and we must go visit him. What's so interesting about this, though, even though it was probably one of the most fantastical moments of their life and the biggest blessings in their life, as they traveled to go to Jerusalem from Persia, it is estimated that it was probably 900 miles or a year and a half or two-year journey. So they set off to meet Jesus, but they don't meet Jesus until he's a toddler, and so the point is here is that for, for these men, for these, these characters that we read in the story of Jesus, in the story of his birth that he invited to his birthday party, here are some men who are in one moment being completely blessed and at the same moment experiencing immense amounts of hardship as they leave their families, as they go on journeys, as they are lonely, as they are on the road. See, their story is written in the Christmas story, and yet it's not a storybook story. And yet, this is their response when they finally find Jesus. Matthew 2, 
When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And gold was a gift that you gave to a king that you believed was of deity. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And this was how they responded in what was probably considerably the best time of their life and one of the most exciting times of their life and one of the worst times all at once. We read about the character Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we read about her in Luke 2. And the beginning of her story is a little bit different. It says this, verse 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town called Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting it might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and you will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. All right, so we open up Mary's story, another central figure in the Christmas story. And what we read about Mary is that um, she is highly favored by God. And she is given a gift by God. But what we need to understand, and um, this took me years to understand because I just kind of um, didn't quite engage with her story as much. But she was a teenager, probably 15 or 16 years old. And she gets visited by an angel who tells her that she is going to get pregnant and it's going to come from the Holy Spirit. Now, most of us don't believe 15-year-olds in general. (laughs) But you're most definitely not going to believe a 15-year-old when she tells you that she has a baby and that it belongs to God. (laughs) And yet this is what God has given her. This is the role in the story that God has given her. And so she is in charge in this moment of going and telling her betrothed husband, Joseph, that she's pregnant and the baby's not yours. (laughs) But not only that, but this would make her a social pariah during this time. I mean, we kind of look at pregnant women now in a way um, where we, we treat them with shame. And I hope we never treat women like that here. I hope that we always welcome women who are pregnant here. And if you're pregnant here tonight, know that I welcome you and that I love you and that there is never any shame and you don't need to feel condemnation and you don't need to feel worried about being here and being judged, that you are loved, that you are welcome. But but that during this season, it was even worse. Sometimes you would be stoned if if you were pregnant out of wedlock. And so Joseph has to hide Mary away. She becomes a social pariah. Picture this. This is a time where God says, you are blessed. And yet it was probably one of the most difficult times of her life. And yet this is how Mary responds. Luke 1, 46. And Mary said this to God, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. My soul glorifies you, God. Thank you for being mindful of me. This is how she responds. The same way that the Magi responded in their circumstance. Praise be to God. Bow down and worship the king. The third set of people that we meet are a set of shepherds. These are the people, these three sets of people are, again, the people that Jesus invited to his birthday party. Take note of their stories. 
And this is what it says in Luke 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring news um, that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Um, so we read about this and we think, oh my goodness, how exciting for these men. They get visited by angels and the, there's choir singing and it's incredible and we hear about it in Christmas songs. But what you need to understand about shepherds during this time is that upon being captured by the Egyptians, Israelites no longer looked at shepherding as a noble task because the Egyptians didn't look at shepherding as a noble task. It was looked down upon. It was thought second rate. And so over time of living with the Egyptians, Israelites began to feel the same way. And so in, in, in this society, in first century Judea, you were a second-class citizen to be a shepherd. You were not considered um, great. You were, you were not considered to have a good job. In fact, um, the Mishnah, the Jewish Mishnah would talk about these shepherds and it would say things like um, they are incompetent. And the Jewish Mishnah was their oral law, which is basically like their constitution. So the way that we um, navigate our country, this is how Jews would navigate their country through the Mishnah. And it, it said this about a group of people. They're incompetent and shouldn't be trusted. And not only that, it said, it specifically said, if they fall in a pit, if a shepherd falls in the pit, don't waste your time getting them out. Their lives aren't worth that. And so we picture these men who by society's standards are nobodies. And they are experiencing all at one moment the blessing of God and yet feeling circumstantially second rate. And this is their response to Jesus. Luke 2:20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so we have these characters in the Christmas story, the magi, Mary, the shepherds, and all three of them are experiencing a mix of emotions and a mix of blessing and a mix of hardships. They it, it is it is both it is not and or, it is both. And during this season and during this time, what they choose to do in their moment of feeling probably the highlights of their day and also the lowlights of their day is they choose to pray. And they choose to praise. They are dog tired from their journey. They are feeling like outcasts. They are feeling um, discouraged. They are feeling like no one's paying attention to them or that God isn't with them maybe or that God's blessing isn't so much of a blessing. They are feeling all of these things and yet they choose to praise. These are the ones that Jesus is surrounded with on his birthday. And I wonder, um, what's your life like right now? Like if you were to, you know, just... In a nutshell, say what your life is right now. I believe that most of us in this room are very similar to what these three sets of people were. We are a mix of blessings and a mix of hardships. Like maybe you are blessed enough to go to school right now and you feel so excited about the fact that God has allowed you to attend school and to be, and to be pursuing a degree. But the reality is, is that you have no idea how you are going to pay for it and that you have the hardship of, of trying to figure out how to sort through your finances right now. Maybe you have been blessed with a relationship. 
You've been blessed with that lady or that girl that, um, or that, whoops, that lady or that guy that you have always dreamed about. But you are walking through the beginning stages of your relationship and there are hardships as you sort out what it means uh, to come together. Maybe for you, you're blessed to be called a Christian, but you have doubts. Maybe you're blessed with dreams, but you are waging the waters of getting to those dreams. Or maybe for you, you're blessed to have good health, but you know people around you that don't have that blessing. See, we're just like them. <laughs> we are a mix of blessing and hardships. This is probably every single person in here. And the reality is, you guys, I think this will always be our lives. We will always be kind of in the tension of feeling God's miracles in our lives and God's blessing is in our lives. And in the same minute, experiencing some hardships and experiencing some obstacles. This will almost always be our story. What is interesting about each of these individuals, though, is that they choose, in the middle of all of this, in the middle of their trial, but also their joy, to praise. Mary says this. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord. The shepherds say, we glorify and we praise you for what we have seen. The magi say, we bow down and we worship, and we offer you silver and gold. And here's what they understood that I don't think a lot of us understand. Is that power, or that there's praise, that there's power in your praise. That when you, that when you praise your Father, that it empowers you. And not only that, but that the way you worship transforms your world. It shapes your environment. And they understood this. They understood this. And so um, they decided that instead of letting circumstance shape their world, they said, I'm going to shape my world by giving it praise and by giving it worship. And so I wanted to walk through a few things that I think the Magi understood and that Mary understood and that the shepherds understood tonight about praise. And the first thing is this. It's that praise makes people powerful. Praise makes people powerful. Luke 1 says this, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. So Mary is in the middle of a hard circumstance. And like I said, I never related with her before because um, I didn't humanize her. Like I thought she was kind of like, almost like Jesus. Like she's just not touchable. She's not really human. But then as I began to re or relate or try to relate with her story, all of all of a sudden, I realized, oh my goodness, there is probably so much that we have in common. And while um, outwardly she is showing so much faith and so much grace, you have got to believe that if she was a human being, she was feeling immense amounts of pressure during this moment. That God came to her, and this was not a position that she volunteered for, but it was something that was done and given and brought upon her. Mary, you will be the mother of Jesus. And if I'm Mary, I'm like, oh... Is this like something I volunteer for or because I don't know if I, you know, I'm 15. <laughs> Just difficult from the way that she's going to have to trust Joseph and hopefully have Joseph trust her to the way that she will have no one to talk to besides maybe her cousin Elizabeth to the way that her life will be ordered from there on out, I think this is probably the most difficult moment of Mary's life next to seeing her son be crucified. It is so difficult for her. 
And this is not the ideal circumstance. Like, I think if you are going to be pregnant in first century Judea, the, the ideal circumstance is you are married to a Jewish man who has lots of money and lots of influence. And, and he's prominent, you know, in the town and everybody knows who he is. And then you get pregnant and then later on you find out it's God's baby. Like, not before. And, and you have the baby not in a manger and not, you know, not in a stable, but you have it in a nice house, maybe a big mansion where it's warm and there's nurses. And then actual kings come and visit you, like not like magi from weird Persian place, but like, like actual kings and they bring you presents. Like if I'm thinking like that's blessing, that's what I think of for Mary. And so circumstantially what she is experiencing is not blessing at least the way that I think I would define it. She is in the middle of turmoil, and yet Mary chooses to praise in the middle of turmoil. And see, I think when it comes to the way that we praise, um, we praise this way. We say, well, God, um, I'm going to wait for me to pray, and when you bring me the perfect gift, God, I'm going to praise you. And so when it gets here, and I'm so excited. And oh my goodness, Lord, thank you so much. I prayed for a great paycheck, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I've been praying for this. I am so grateful to you. This is just great. This is a good gift. This is great. And he's like, oh, you know, there's still more. And you're like, oh my goodness, really, Lord? And he's like, yeah, it's a good job. And you're like, oh, this is the perfect gift. This is the perfect circumstance I've been waiting for. Maybe it's, you know, oh, my, oh, it's a handsome boyfriend. <laughs> and he knows how to dress. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lord. Oh, and what do you, oh, Lord, thank you. You gave me a comfy life. Thank you. Oh, and you gave me some nice things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And a good reputation. I've always wanted that. Thanks. <laughs> and blessing. Thank you, Lord. And, and then we go to God once we get the perfect gift, and we say, well, Lord, now I come to you, and I will bring you a little bit, just a teeny bit of praise. This is how we treat our Father. I will wait for you to give me the perfect circumstance with the perfect blessing, with the perfect gift, and then I will give you a little bit of praise. When we have the life that we want, when we have the circumstance that we want, when we have the blessings that we want or the gift that we think we need, we think, oh, man, God must be working in my life right now. Because look. And yet the Bible never says anything like that. It says, no, no, no. You are not blessed because of the things that are given to you. You are blessed because you praise, and it creates an atmosphere for blessing. Your life is powerful because it's full of praise. Psalm 73 says this. It talks about in the beginning how, um, how he says, I've been looking around, and I've been looking at other people, and I've been looking at how they're blessed and how they have gifts and how they have everything that they need and they have everything that's provided for them. And he says, um, and my feet started to slip because I just kept looking at the gifts. I kept looking at the blessings. And he said, I was so busy looking around at what everybody else had that I almost missed his goodness in my life. And then he says this, whom have I in heaven but you, Jesus, and on earth 
Um, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength in my heart and my portion forever. You know what this is saying in pretty much every single psalm is saying? Your life is not powerful because you are given stuff by God. Your life is powerful because you praise. That's why it's empowered. He says, when you come to me and you come like this and you come and you say, I will bring you praise in the middle of my blessing and in the middle of my hardship. When I come and I say, man, fully, I give it to you always, every day, praise. And God, I'm thankful. God, I'm so grateful. God, thank you for everything that you've given me. Thank you for my family even though they're dysfunctional and thank you for this room and thank you for my church and thank you for everything that you've done God I bring you adoration because it's due to you God I'm so grateful God I bring you honor God I bring you exaltation he says when you do that then go ahead and reach in here because this is what I give you I give you power I give you joy. I give you unshakable resolve. How much would you like that? I gave you focus. People would kill for something like that. Strength, might, blessing. He says, when you come to me and you bring your heart and you pour it out and you give me silver and gold, that's what I give you out of my gifts. And it's almost as if Mary is ignoring her circumstances. It's almost as if she's ignoring her circumstances and just being like, I'm blessed because he said so, and so I'm trusting in you. And I love it because she says, thank you so much for being mindful of me. And I'm thinking, my goodness, like circumstantially, I would not say, God, thank you so much for being mindful of me. I would think, God, are you out of your mind? Like, this is insane. This is crazy. This can't be me. This can't be my story right now. Have you ever felt that way? Like, 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 God, you, you trust me too much to think I can handle this circumstance. You trust me too much. I know that you're saying that, that I'm worthy of taking on this scenario or I'm worthy of taking care of this family member or I'm worthy of like taking care of this scenario in my life or trying to do right in my life here, but it's above my pay grade. God, I don't feel up to it. And it's so crazy to me because sometimes I will witness people who are just like Mary, who are going through probably the hardest time of their life, and they are full of praise. And I look at them and I say, how? How are you like that right now? And yet, it is those people who live the most powerful lives. It is those people who live the most impactful lives. And if we read the Bible, you guys, it's the same. The most impactful people and the most powerful people in the Bible were people who worshipped. We think about Joshua, and we think about his moment in leadership that was the best of the best. Probably uh, the thing that he is known for most and that he gets marked for in his leadership is when the walls of Jericho fell. And what did he do? He walked around Jericho, and he praised. And there were horns that were sung out and noise that was made. And it was all joyful and glad and praising God. And the walls fell. We think about David. And David running from his enemies and hiding in clefts of rocks and, and, and fleeing from people. And in that season that was so difficult was when he wrote the Psalms. And he said, but I praise you. I have no one in heaven but you. 
When I go to the heights, you're with me. When I go down to the depths and people are chasing me, you are with me. I praise you. And because of that, his enemies were slain. And later on, he would rule and he would reign and probably arguably be one of the greatest kings in all of Israel. We look at Paul and we look at Barnabas who are spreading the gospel. Paul, the, the most central figure in all of Christianity besides Jesus. And they are imprisoned and in chains and they begin to worship God in the middle of prison. And what happens? The ground begins to shake. The, the walls cracks open. The, the doors fly open. And their chains break off. And we think, this is what we think. We think, God, you make the walls in my heart fall down. You make the walls in my life, the, the hardships, the issues, the problems, you make those fall down and I will praise you, God. And he says, no, no, no. You praise and the walls will fall. Jess. And we say, God, you know what? Man, if you can just deal with the enemies, the people that are making my life difficult, there are so many people that are making my life hard. Can you just deal with them? And he says, you praise me and I will slay those enemies for you. Not literally. <laughs> and you will rule and you will reign. God, if you bless me, I will come back and I will offer that blessing to you. No. He says, you come and you praise, and it creates an environment in which I can bless you. God, if you will break off the chains in my heart that I have been feeling my whole life, he says, praise me, worship me, and the chains will just fall right off of you. Praise is powerful. The second thing is this, praise enlarges the gift and dissolves the difficulty. Um, Luke 2 says this, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which was just as they had been told. So the shepherds are probably having one of the most fantastical nights of their lives. You have to picture this, a chorus of angels shows up and begins, they're praising God, okay? And it says the glory of God showed all around them, which I don't think any of us can picture. I, I have a hard time picturing and um, one of the most fantastical nights of their entire lives. And um, what's so cool about this is, is, is the angel actually says to them, you're going to find a sign, and it will be a baby lying in a manger. That, that will be a sign to you, you shepherds. And so they journey to the nearest manger, and they find a baby. I mean, you got a picture. Like, dude, there's a baby. <laughs> Just like that angel said. This is one of the most amazing nights of their life. And what's so cool is that they begin praising God. And it's almost as if in this moment they are allowing the presence of Jesus and the gift of Jesus and this time of being with Jesus to dissolve all of their issues. To dissolve anything that made them feel like they are less than. Jesus' gift to us overcomes all of our hardship. And so sometimes I think the way that we receive God's gift is we're like, man, God, thank you so much um, for the blessing. You just, you just gave me a great first date. And I'm so grateful. And you, and you have given me this great new job. And I'm so grateful. And God, you've given me um, this wonderful new friendship. And I'm so grateful for you. But then trouble comes in and it almost cancels out anything that God's trying to do in your life, does it not? All of a sudden it's like, man, that was a great first date. Oh, but I have car trouble. Man, great job, but such a frustrating boss. Awesome life right now, but I have a very stressful 
roommate. And so what we do with God's gifts in our life is we say, thank you so much. But instead of praising and allowing our hearts to be, um, to be totally focused on giving thanks and on praising him and glorifying him with everything that he's done in our lives, we focus instead on our circumstances and on the issues and we allow them to cancel out all of his gifts. And we allow circumstances. The Bible says that people who are like this are like waves to tossed about to and fro. You are, your life and how you feel about your life is based completely on your circumstances. If you are happy, it is because you have great happenings. And if you are sad, it is because you are stressed out. Your whole life is based on your circumstances. And if you are given gifts, it doesn't matter because the hardships in your life will cancel them out. But what these shepherds do and what I think God is inviting us to do tonight is that we come to him and in any circumstance and no matter where we're at we say God we praise you so much God thank you so much for everything that you've done in my life thank you for um, the fact that you will fulfill promises even if you haven't yet thank you that you're gonna bring me somebody even if you haven't yet and God you are God and you are good to me you're always good to me that's not what that one said you care and you are good. <laughs> and he says when you come and you have a heart of praise and you allow praise to direct your life instead of your circumstances, all of a sudden you're going to be giving a great job. You're going to be given a great first date. You're going to be given a wonderful new opportunity. And maybe car troubles will come along. And you'll say, well, that's okay, because I know who's taking care of me. So I have peace. And Satan tries again, and he's like, well, man, that boss of yours, though, he's a dummy. <laughs> and you're like, well, that's okay, because I love God. I trust him completely. I know what he's done in my life. I know the gift of what he's brought to my life. And so um, you know what? God works all things together for the good of those who love him, and so I have patience right now and long-suffering, a fruit of the Spirit. And Satan says, oh, well, what about that stressful roommate? Does that cancel out what God's done in your life? And you say, oh, well, no, actually it doesn't because I love him so much and I trust him so much, and maybe I'm the one that needs to be worked on. And so every circumstance, I, I trust him, I praise him, I honor him. It gives me power, and you know what? It gives me joy in everything that he has me doing. And so all of a sudden, you're not dictated anymore by your circumstances. And so what I want to ask you right now is, how are you living right now? Are the gifts of God being overshadowed by your difficulties? Is the presence of Jesus at Christmas time not able to bless you because all you can think about are your hardships? If so, maybe it's time that you offer him some praise. And there's a whole bunch of you in here, and I think you actually think this. I was praying about it today. You actually believe that maybe God hasn't really done anything good in your life. And what I want to tell you tonight is that even if, and I don't believe this, but even if you have, he hasn't brought you gifts, even if he hasn't brought you blessings, which again, I believe he has, but even if he hasn't, he has brought you the gift of himself. And the Bible makes it clear that he is all that you will ever need. He has given you the gift of himself, of peace, of hope, of life. The Bible says in John 1 that in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. In him was life. When you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. 
See, praise supernaturally deals with your issues, folks. And this year, I wanted to spend tonight thanking God because we have had one of the best nights. We have had one of the best years of, of our lives. I couldn't have dreamt up some of the stuff God did this year. We started out the year and we had 300 people. We had 350 people, and we were like, this is amazing. Like, we have the coolest ministry around. Like, this is so cool. We were stoked. And we opened up our very first night at Littleton Campus, and, and we grew to 400 people. And I remember looking at Doug like, I don't know what's happening. Do you know what's happening? He's like, I don't know what's happening. This is amazing. And I was, like, doing announcements like, da, da, da. I was so excited. And then, you know, we have, um, we get, we move here, and normally when we move, or when we've moved in the past, when we've moved our ministry, we've shrunk. And it's, it's as a pastor, it's really disheartening. It really is. You pray, and you pray, and pray, and, and then when that happens, it sucks. It's the worst. But I prepared my heart. I was like, Lord, I'm expecting you to do great things, but if you don't, Lord, it's totally okay. You know, like, I was bracing myself for a letdown. And we grew to, like, 450, like, 500 people. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, what are you doing, Jesus? This is amazing. We have our first conference. We start planning it in January because we think it'd be cool. We've always dreamt about it. We wanted to do it, so we tried. There was 500 people that came. And then we get into summer, and we normally shrink in the summer, and we started growing in the summer, and it was one of the most, like, vibrant summers that I think we've ever had. And we decided, you know what, we're going to do the meetup again. We're going to encourage all of you to begin talking to your friends about Jesus and inviting people to Jesus. And, and, and what was crazy to me is the year before, we had 300 people come to our meetup, and two people got saved. And this year, we had 1,300 people. Like, just, just, no, but just think about it. Like, that's not normal. That's a miracle. And I watched and sat back as Doug preached and I praised and 30 people got saved. And I remember thinking, and it's not about the number, like please hear my heart, it's not about the numbers, but I got to see him do something. I felt like I was sitting back and watching a tidal wave. And then, we, and then we had our retreat and it was beautiful and people's hearts got set free. And then all of a sudden we grew again and I started to see a whole group of people, and this is my favorite part, who so love Jesus and who are so sold out. And this is the truth about you guys. Like I get to watch a group of people actually fulfill the Great Commission on a weekly basis. I should read you some of the emails about what some of you are doing. It's insane. It's beautiful and it's changing people. And I wanted to give God thanks, but do you know that this year as a staff, we experienced a lot of hardship. Two of our moms got diagnosed with cancer this year. One of us has chronic pain on staff. It doesn't go away. Chronic pain. We've had car troubles, financial issues. Two of our staff members get paid something that you would laugh at. Troubles, hardships. And what would our lives look like if that's what we focused on? And if that's what we let cancel out, the blessing of God. And what I think God wants to ask you tonight is would you be willing to stop being dictated by your circumstance and being a victim of your circumstance and being a victim of whatever life is bringing you and instead Focus and bring your heart and bring all that you have in praise to God because who knows what he's going to do. Praise is powerful and it dissolves your difficulties. And um, I wanted you guys just to watch this um, so that we can be thankful for everything that Jesus has done this year. Go ahead, sit back, watch this video. 
just getting started. You have seen nothing yet. And if you will follow me, things are gonna get real for you. The gospel is that you are already loved and accepted. Therefore, you are now freed up to go do something. You now get to go do something. And that's the most important truth that exists in the history of everything. You are not an agent of salvation. You are an agent of invitation. Your job is to invite. Your job is to say, come and see. I've got stories where there was a four week period here at Young Adults where every Thursday night I held the hand of somebody different as they walked and they passed from death to life. Imagine if we were that generation that rather than waiting for an audible voice of God to split the sky in half and tell us what to do, that we just erred on the side of action when it came to talking to people about God and inviting people to church, inviting people to the party. You're gonna go for this life, you're gonna have scars and cuts and wounds and brokenness and broken hearts. But because of God's grace, you can keep going forward. What if we made his people our people? What if I made his people my people? And I believe that if, if we are willing to come to him and offer him praise and offer him worship, that he could do immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or think or imagine. And at the end of, of all of this, I think tonight what I want to do is bring him the best that we have to bring him our silver and bring him our gold. Matthew says this, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And upon coming to the house, they saw a child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So tonight, what I want to do, and what I think I'm hoping that God receives and that he leads each of you to do, is that you praise him tonight, and you bring him the gold and the silver in your life, the best of what you have, because he's worthy. And I believe that as you praise him and as you choose to worship him in the middle of your circumstances, and listen to me, some of you walked in here and you have had, I know actually some of your stories, and you've had the worst week of your entire life. And God says, just come to me. Just come to me and reach for me. Reach for me and give me what thanks you have. Maybe it's just thankfulness that you're breathing. And he says, I will empower your life peace. I'll give you joy. Bring me your silver and bring me your gold. Bring me everything that you have, young adults, and I will transform your life. Praise is powerful, you guys. And if we would be a people that wouldn't be dictated by our circumstances or tossed to and fro by our circumstances, but instead would follow him wherever he leads us and would have an unshakable resolve and an unshakable heart of praise, I believe that he could do so much more in your life in this Christmas season and in the season to come, in the new year and in this next year. But he says, I want your heart to be about me. I don't want your heart to be about the gifts. I don't want your 
your heart to be about my hand. I want your heart to be about seeking my face. Don't look for what I'm going to give you. Look for me, and then I will give you everything that you need. And so when you come to him tonight, all throughout Matthew, the question was, who's the king? Who's the king? And what I want to ask you tonight is, what's king in your life? Is it your worry? Is it your troubles? Is that king right now? Because for some of you, it is. Some of you, you came in here, and the only thing you can think about is that troublesome girlfriend. The only thing that you can think about is that bill. And God wants to know what's reigning in your life right now. Because something will, and tonight you need to choose. And you need to say, you know what? You're the king. You're the king of my life. And every circumstance in my life needs to bow to you. And you come to him and you say, you know what, God? You're enough. You're enough in every circumstance I have. You're enough. I don't need, um, I don't need the perfect job because I know that you're going to sustain me. I don't need um, you know, to know how I'm going to get paid or know how all my bills are going to get paid because Matthew tells me that you provide for all my needs and you tell me not to worry, God, that you care for the birds and that you care for the flowers and they don't toil or spin. So you know what, God? You're enough and I praise you. You know what, God? I love you. I love you because I remember when you pursued me. I remember what it felt like to get saved. I remember... Um, I remember the the love that I felt from, from your children, God, and I love you because of what you've done through them. You're my everything, God. You're my everything. I'm not seeking your gifts this season. I'm seeking your face. And here's the deal, you guys. Tonight, you might not have silver. You might not have gold. But here's what you can give him. You give him what you have. And you can just give him your heart tonight. And you can just say, you know what? I praise you. Thank you for this year. As you wrap up this year, you guys, don't let Satan be the last say in your 2015. Don't let him tell you what this year was about. You tell him what this year was about. And as you come to worship tonight, you guys, bring everything that you have. And not because it's a motive and not because I'm, I don't care. I don't care if you sit the entire time, but you bring him the entire um, of what you have because in that he will transform you, he will empower you, and you're the one that gets the say in your life. And you say, everything in my life buys to Jesus and not my circumstances. And so would you stand tonight and every person in here, I'm so excited tonight. Let's thank him. Let's worship him. Praise him for what you have, even if it's your breath.